0: Wow. You're going to like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Because there is no goddamn middle.
1: This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way.
0: Not so much the family circus. (laughs) Yeah. When I, did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy.
1: A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals.
0: I know! Okay. I understand that. And,
1: but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian.
0: Because eerie guy
1: Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf. Which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table.
0: As, as <laughs> the, the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little bit of dog Latin.
1: You have a sword rat. This is a Geek History of Time,
0: where we connect a nerdery to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a 45-year-old now, uh, father of a very young uh, boy who has uh, recently uh, started showing a very great interest in dragons. dragons. He seems to see them uh, a very great deal in and around Every place, and I don't know where exactly he's getting it, but I take it as a sign that I'm affecting his imagination in a positive way. Way, uh, and uh, prior to the plague arriving in the lands, I was uh, a, a seventh grade world history teacher and a seventh grade English teacher. I'm now doing that uh, still, but now uh, via remote. How about you?
1: Well, I was at one time before the plague a Latin teacher and an occasional history teacher. I'm still a father of two. Uh, my daughter, who is super into dragons, uh, my son, who is super into trains, um, but uh, she's, she's almost eight, he's ten. Uh, but now, yes, I'm a remote Latin teacher as well, uh, because the plague has come into our lands, but... I did stock up on bleach and disinfectant and I walked out into the sunlight today and stabbed myself a bunch of times With little pins just to give myself more surface area to get that light (laughs) into my body
0: And you know, you've gotten on my ass previously about, you know uh, uh, Placing our our broadcast in a specific moment in time. So I just (laughs) want to say Screw you!
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a
0: good point. Because <laughs> because you now not only not only uh, pinpointed where we are uh, by year, but but now archivists will be able to go. Wait, wait. When is it the president of the United States said that? Okay, it has to be within a couple of days of yeah. that. Yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: So good so, job.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Actually, no my my daughter started playing another character, uh, her ranger that she loved. Um, decided it would be better for her animals. Uh, her animal companion to not go on a boat to a desert because it was a a black bear, which was totally shocking to me. So she played her character exactly as her character would and basically retired her into the forest, which meant we had to make a whole new character for her. So I finally convinced her that a monk is kind of a fun class and she's a dragonborn monk. So she's all about the dragon stuff. So what she doesn't know is that tomorrow they're gonna get hit by dragon pirates
0: nice yeah
1: you know okay, wait, i, I don't on. recommend that... seaborn adventures by the way because you are oh. trapped on the goddamn ship and you aren't the one in control of where it goes like there's so much narrative nope. that's bad about doing seaborne oh, adventures
0: yeah, yeah. So. well there's there are so many limitations involved in it yep. yeah it's it's yeah so, yeah. good luck with that that you've written here. Good luck with that corner you've written yourself into.
1: Well, we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, there's gonna be a a coffin that they pick up, that floats to the top. That's covered in barnacles. That has a lock on it. That they then open and they find.
0: <laughs> there's no way. And and you know they're going to open it because uh-huh. as smart as your children are, they're still player characters. And well, yeah. what could possibly go wrong?
1: Right. So they're going to open it and it's yeah. going to be a very nice vampire who's going to char- charm the, uh, the captain into simply uh-huh. just taking him to this island where he can then restart his life. So it's going to be the most benign vampire encounter they ever have because the vampire is way too high a level for them. But while they're doing that, uh, the vampire gives me a good ex machina in case their encounter with the dragonborn pirates goes south on them. So they've got. I see in their what pocket. you're doing there.
0: Yeah, I see so, what you're doing there. Good, yeah. good thinking. Yeah. Good thinking. I can
1: hear what you're doing there. What are you doing there?
0: I'm not doing anything. Um, my my wife is at the sink, which is behind where you ah, can see me from. Okay. So, and eh, not to worry. That's, okay. <laughs> Don't. <back>. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Can, did you turn yeah, the little so, thing
1: so that it's on the on the uh, mic so that it's like an upside down heart? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, cool. I, All right. I I did. Good. This yeah, is where did, people
1: get to peek behind yeah, the uh, no. veil of our show. So,
0: <laughs> behind the curtain. Yeah. Pay pay no yep. t- pay no attention to the plumbing behind the curtain. <laughs> So, hey, you know, I, I think I, I hope I hope that our audience will be uh, sympathetic enough based on on the fact that we are, you know, during, doing this during, you know, Shelter historically weird times. Yes. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, just like I tell my students, occasionally you're going to hear my son talk about the fact that he's going potty right now. <laughs> so because, you know, he's too. And so, just roll with it, and you know, we'll all we'll all do what we got to do, and oh, come yeah. out the other end of this. Hopefully. So you know, yeah. So, 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 uh,
1: we were talking before the show about um, what do you call it, the Avengers, and and yes, we were. I I love me the Avengers, and I think one of the best parts about the Avengers it, it goes kind of unsaid that Joss Whedon managed to cram so much good dialogue into so many good and clever spots where it didn't drag the action down at all and i think that he's a, a well, really you know yeah
0: go go ahead we'll oh go i was just gonna finish, say i think he's a really
1: good director and he's uh always got a good reputation for being really progressive so i was just really glad that they used him for both avengers one and two the age of ultron and uh, the the avengers
0: I'm not going to disagree with you on the point about him being a great director. Okay um, He is he is very very good at what he does mm-hmm. um, Well, he's got a
1: reputation for being a really good feminist and uh, like yeah, really well, supporting women's he, roles and stuff like that
0: You know So here's the thing hmm. and this is and this is where this is gonna get ugly and uh, at the end of this episode we're probably going to have I don't know, at least one of our four fans is uh, going to probably want to try to find out where I live and come after me. <clears throat> because, um... Just go what toward I'm, the sound of
1: dishes being washed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, only when my wife is down here in the kitchen. Yeah. But, um... That's not true. I, I do my fair share of chores around the house, or I try to anyway. But, so, do um, I. so do I. No. The... <sighs> I should hope so. Otherwise, you're using your kids as slave labor. You don't. You don't. Anyway. Both things are moving true. Moving on. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of speaking of progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, but but my my whole thesis today is about a a beloved TV series of his. And why it's actually kind of problematic. And we need, as as a community, I think fandom needs to recognize it and have a conversation about it.
1: Well, Joss Whedon has problematic views? And it comes through his... Yes.
0: Okay. Well, I'm not... Here's here's the thing. I'm not actually going to say that Joss Whedon himself has problematic views. because mm-hmm. I think, I think as much as anybody, I think his intentions are good. Mm-hmm to say that um, I think based on things that have come out in regard to his behavior
1: mm-hmm.
0: some of his reputation as being a progressive in terms of feminist issues may be tarnished oh okay somewhat by that uh, but what I really want to talk about is actually Firefly and uh, what's problematic about it has basically nothing to do at least in, in the broad sense with, with anything having to do with feminist issues and it has everything to do with the lost cause oh
1: okay yeah I can already kind of see that stacking up okay so uh, Firefly is the season the the single season show that everybody adores and loves like
0: yeah within, yeah within science fiction fandom if you say that you didn't like Firefly that's a surefire way of getting yourself like ostracized yes like Like, or, or, or at at, at the most benign, have a whole bunch of people look at you like, who the fuck are you, man? Because here's the thing. It is a real, before I, before I start in on what I'm going to say, here's, I I am a, I am a huge fan. I Mm -hmm. love the show. Um, the dialogue, because it's, it's one of the things Joss Whedon does brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the dialogue is always good. Uh, even even in in storylines within the series that are they're kind of eh, you know middling like okay this is like a first season tng episode you know mm-hmm, kind of thing cuz mm-hmm. cuz even within the 14 episodes that were actually done of the show it does have the couple or three that are like holy fuck this is amazing yes and then it has a whole and then and then it has a whole bunch that are like this is really solidly really good tv and mm-hmm. then there're like one or two that are like swinging miss. You kind of had a You kind of had a rough day in the writers' room, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to say, I don't think the show ever completely misses. No.
1: I think there's enough through lines and enough threads that if the A and B and C threads don't work, the D thread still does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and Whedon has a good enough sense of his characters Mm -hmm. that there's never anything that happens in any of these 14 episodes that you're like, well, that just doesn't make any sense for, you know, why why would Preacher be reacting that way? You know, right, Preacher, right. But, well, That's not him. Like like the, the character, and, and that's part of the blessing, I think, of the, of the series only having 14 episodes.
1: It does become is, an empty vessel in some ways. Like,
0: yeah, well, and, and yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, it's so concentrated, and you always put your best foot forward. And because his strength is character writing and dialogue, that's a really strong first season. And then after that, it was like, wow, just think of what it could have been.
0: Yeah. And, and there's no, you know, like, uh, you know, black tar alien, you know, uh, episode to, to, you know, completely kill the mood and and bring everybody down, you know? And, um, there was never, they never ran into the problem of, you know, uh, the, the Wesley conundrum, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and because because the way the way he writes his characters is not like uh, uh, Star Trek. I'm I'm flaking, but uh, R- Roddenberry, right? You know, and and so the characters are all very strong. The dialogue is always good. Yeah. And so when the plot lags a little bit, you still have that effervescence and that fizz. Mm-hmm. You know, like like as a beer snob you know, if if the flavor profile is a little flat, you still have the effervescence and the and, and that going on to, okay. to still kind of maintain your interest and still make it at least a little bit interesting on the palate. Sure. Um, <laughs> three guesses to our audience what I'm drinking right now. So <laughs> but but you know the thing is and, and I'm and I'm gonna start by talking about the show um, and and not the, the history that's kind of involved behind it. So what, what we've kind of already talked about because the first note I have here is ask ask Damien for his opinion on Firefly and uh, oh. We kind of already have that what, what was your first impression like when you first saw it
1: So I came to it crazy late like I think I came to it once I was a single dad again um, And uh, okay. well yeah once I was a single dad um, So yeah. I think I came to it in the last four or five years So I've come to it okay. really late uh, or it, well, anyway, I, I came to it once I had kids, um, and I watched it upon the multiple recommendations of all kinds of friends who are like, "You like sci-fi? How did you not see that?" I was like, well, I just didn't get around to it yet, you know.
0: And I saw <laughs> the those. Fox Network. The, Fo- yeah. the Fox Network conspired to make sure you didn't. Right is kind <laughs> of the answer.
1: Yeah, but you know, then I saw it on uh, a streaming platform, and I was like, "Well, I wash dishes. I could, you know, I could be watching it while I'm doing that." And so I did um i didn't know that it was only one season uh oh, so you
0: poor bastard yeah <laughs> oh my god
1: so yeah uh, so the upside I'm trying is to i got remember. to binge it but it was amazing i was incredibly impressed by it and, oh, and yeah. the amount so, of people who were in it where i was like i know that person it was it was really fun and there were several people i didn't know who they were and i was like they they do a really solid job
0: yeah, what's what's really remarkable about that is, you know, uh, everybody else who and and my my experience is actually very similar to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't I didn't wait quite as long to see it, but uh, you know, it was on the air in two thousand two,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it was like O two to O three, and I was hearing about it from one of my coworkers at the time, a very dear friend of mine, uh, who was just like over the moon about it, like nice. could not stop talking about it. And I was just never able to tune in to watch it mm-hmm. because of my life circumstances at the time. I was just never able to tune in to watch it while it was actually on the air. Right. And it wasn't until I had come back to California and um, was in the process of uh, getting the divorce from my first wife. Sure. That um, I actually had the time to sit down with a, with a DVD set. Mm-hmm. And sit down after work and watch it. And I think I wound up watching it over the course of about a week and a half.
1: Yeah, that's that's about right. And just
0: like, yeah, and just absolutely devoured it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had the advantage over you in that I knew that it was only the one season and these were the only episodes that existed.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And so, you know, and I did recognize a couple of the people on the cast as like, oh, hey, I've seen that person before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it hadn't been quite so long for them to get really established in other roles. Like, for example, when Nathan Fillion went on to do Castle Mm -hmm. on ABC, I knew, hey, I know who that guy is. I saw him play Mal Reynolds. This is going to be good. Uh, Okay. Like, like from episode one. And of Mm -hmm. course that series is another one that, you know, had a huge, huge fan base. Right. Uh, had had much better ratings than Firefly because uh, ABC didn't screw the show over the way Fox did Firefly. Right, right. But you know, so yeah, and and I think you know the what what struck me on watching it mm-hmm. was that it looked so different from everything that was sci-fi that was on TV at the time it aired.
1: Yeah. Again, I didn't. I didn't see it on TV. Yeah, so, like, well, I came yeah, to no, it, like. I, I came to it probably after I watched BSG. Or I think I was probably okay, looking well, around for something, and I was like, oh, "Okay, this okay. would be a good series to get into."
0: <laughs> so here's the deal. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's mm-hmm. still very much a departure from everything else going on on TV, mm-hmm. even at that time, mm-hmm. even even when you came back to it, because like when it originally aired, mm-hmm. um, Stargate SG One, Roswell. The X Files, Enterprise, mm-hmm. and Farscape are the biggest sci fi series names I could think of. Okay. That that were on TV at the time. And so, you know, Roswell and the X Files are kind of kissing cousins in terms of subgenre.
1: Right. Okay, right, right. Yeah, there's something and strange the t- afoot and, and there's yeah. government involved. Got it.
0: Yeah, and it and it all takes place in our world with, you know, it's it's kind of the science fiction equivalent of magical realism. Wow. Uh-huh. You know, Stargate SG one mm-hmm. is one of the best military S F series that's ever been done. Okay. Because they manage to be believably military at the same time as having a basically space opera kind of storyline. Right enterprise we've already talked about on this podcast mm-hmm. go 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 back to the episodes where we talked about how 911 ruined it and <clears throat> farscape i love farscape and farscape is just fucking weird okay like there's still, <laughs> it's 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 space opera uh, have you have you seen farscape at all
1: i started watching a couple episodes of it because the gal who played shaza in um, Pitch Black, was in it. Um, But I think I started that one after I started watching uh, Firefly. It was the next one. And then I just kind of lost interest in sci-fi as a genre for a little while. But everything you mentioned has been TV sci-fi that I didn't really get into. Okay. Yeah.
0: I have uh, very, very good friends who were super fans for Mm -hmm. X-Files as well. Uh, I was a huge fan of Stargate Mm SG-1. I still am. Um, I identify very, very strongly with Daniel. <laughs> okay, <laughs> from Stargate, like on so many levels, um, and and so frequently when I'm dealing with administration, I do the same. You know, putting putting two fingers between my eyes over the bridge of my glasses and <sighs> looking kind of strained. So, like you know, but um, you know, Firefly was. I think the first TV series at the very least in a very long time mm-hmm. to to pull the Star Wars card of used future okay like yeah like yeah because 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 it predated BSG and BSG was a used future but not a beat-up derelict used future it's firefly true. was like no no seriously this is heavily used and, you know, the 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 title ship that our characters are traveling around in is literally held together with bailing wire and force of will. Right. You know, and, and it wasn't just used future. It was ragged edge used future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it very obviously leaned heavily on Western tropes. And it kind of sounds stupid for me to say that because it's so obvious uh, it, it was a Western in space.
1: Right. It, it, I mean, it was much more akin to. Aesthetically, to uh, what we saw with the original Battlestar Galactica, in terms of in a costuming, lot of ways, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah, earth tones everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything looks weathered. You yeah. know, only only the bad guys ever had totally new looking clothes. Yes, uh, with the exception of Simon Tam. Okay. And I'm going to get to that in a second when I'm about character archetypes. Please but, do. But, but, you know, it, it was it was a Western in space. We have a ragtag band of independent frontiers people mm-hmm. uh, trying to make their way with little but a starship and their sheer pluck.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I believe it.
0: Not only so, – so we've talked about the aesthetic now. But not only the aesthetic but the narrative DNA of the show
1: mm-hmm.
0: was rooted in the Western genre. Uh, there were definite SF traits – they're in the genome mm-hmm. some of them taken from interestingly enough from from a subgenre that you wouldn't think would tie in well with a with a western which is cyberpunk uh, And and a lot of them from space opera mm-hmm. But the dominant phenotypic characteristics came out of the western Okay You know, um, so talking about character archetypes mm-hmm. uh mal reynolds Starts out, he's, he's leader of the gang. Right. Right. He is, he is that, you know, charismatic, you know, frontiers dude. Right. He's, he's what, um, what, what TV tropes would refer to as a knight in sour armor. He, he has this outward show of a very great deal of cynicism mm-hmm. and kind of bad attitude, but at the end of the day, he's actually a really honorable guy. Nice. With a very, with a very, with a very serious personal code of honor. hmm Um, and especially in his dealings with Inara, it becomes really clear because, like, from the first episode, you can tell he he has a yearning there, but he doesn't think it'll ever go anywhere. And so he copes with it by being, frankly, really rude to her. Right. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, and then and then all of the captain tropes from sci-fi are there. He's the father to his crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know beloved leader kind of stuff and he is he is mostly a guile hero. He is mostly He makes his way by being cleverer than everybody around him and being one trick ahead of the opposition
1: And sometimes falling over backward into the good luck of that Yes, like, like yes Actually as often as not Like there's some yeah. there's times where he's world weary and he gets it and then there's other times where shit I didn't think I'd get out of that or I always knew yeah. there'd be a way, but I didn't know how,
0: you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and the, the opening minute or so of, I don't remember, I don't have the, the episode title in front of me, but when they, when they have the heist to steal the lassiter,
2: mm-hmm.
0: when Saffron shows up and, and the opening sequence is her essentially dry gulching him and he's standing there naked in the middle of the, in the middle of the desert. And he says, well, that went well. <laughs> and then they and then they go back, you know, seventy two hours before that, you have the whole plot line go from there.
1: Right, right.
0: You know <laughs> like, all right, well, this is all going according to plan. Like, mm-hmm. how could this be going according to plan? You're buck naked in the middle of nowhere. Right. Like and there are undoubtedly scorpions. Like what the hell? <laughs> so but and, and the other the other thing that's important to note is he's he's a guile hero. Mm-hmm. Who relies heavily on luck, but he also has a a streak of, you know, when, when the veneer of that gets rubbed off, mm-hmm. he, he comes, he shows up as being a determinator and frankly a badass. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's the it's, character it's like, that
1: I always wanted to play in D&D, but we were always like young starting out characters. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, you never get one, to be you that guy.
0: Never be you can't ever be Malcolm Reynolds as a first level character. It's yeah, no. just not doable. No. You might pull off Wash. You yeah, know, as a first level PC, yep. if you if if are in a system that allows you to throw all of your skill points into one area, like no That's no true. no no. Put me be, put me behind the controls of a starship and I will wreck shit. Yeah. I'm no good at anything else.
1: Nothing else. Yeah.
0: Like, like I fall apart in any kind of negotiation. I can't fight worth a tankers cuss. (laughs) I'm physically fragile. Like, no, no, I can't do anything else. Well, but that one thing Mm -hmm. I am a one, you know, you can do that, but like, you know, so, all right. So that's, that's Mal. Then we have Zoe, who's the, the veteran, the loyal second in command. Right. TV tropes would call her the Lancer. She's the one you look at who you're kind of like, well, you know, you could be the lead, but you're not.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Why aren't you? Right. You know, and she's and she's very, very hyper, hyper competent. Mm -hmm. And where Mal sometimes works to try to obfuscate what a badass he is. And sometimes he's just naturally kind of a knucklehead. Right. Zoe, Zoe is always the one on his right, on, on his, on his, on his left. Always, always right behind his left shoulder,
1: mm-hmm.
0: always totally cool, totally competent, and always has a plan to kill everybody in the room.
1: Yeah, and she is a, like you said, a badass fighter. Like, yeah, he's he's the bard who can fight. Yeah. She's the fighter yeah. who can fight.
0: Yeah, yeah. stone cold killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad. Then we have Kay- Kaylee, mm-hmm. who is a borrowed archetype from SF. She's the a genius engineer.
1: She's my favorite character. I think I lost you.
0: Oh Oh, yeah, I'm totally not gonna lie. I yeah, well you did, but yeah, she's she's your favorite character. Yeah. And I have to tell you, um, I had the biggest crush on Mm -hmm. Jewel State. Like for the first episode or so, I was like, no, no, Inara's way hotter. Mm -hmm. And then and then like I came to my senses and realized that no, 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 no. Yeah, Kaylee. Yeah a huge huge crush on it
1: her. goes back to my love of jumpsuits like <laughs> anybody who dresses practically is automatically more attractive to me like really <laughs> dead serious yeah if you dress practically okay. like that's i think why i still here it is 2020 and i still like wearing cargo shorts like that's not it's apparently not no good. no
0: no you're a dad it's well, the that uniform
1: too. yeah so the argyle socks are just like, uh, a, a good yeah, well, flair. Yeah, that's, that's but but yeah, I've been yeah, told that cargo just, shorts are a bad idea. I'm like, no, they have pockets. You will never talk me out of these. And,
0: and if you have young kids, like, mm-hmm. no, no, you don't understand. I yes. can carry so much shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know, and if we're and if we're talking about you know pre social distancing era, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can I can bring. Two bottles or more, mm-hmm. depending on the cargo shorts, of my own beer oh, to there a you party, go. There so I don't have to drink the shit they're offering me there. Because <laughs> you, you know, go. I know, I know that I know that Bob mm-hmm. is an idiot who you know only likes you know Coors Light. So no, I'm not drinking his beer, but I've got cargo shorts. I can bring a couple of bottles of good stuff.
2: There you go. Like yeah,
0: you know, I'm just saying from a. Practical, yeah no sure sure I'm, I'm right there with you i mean the only difference is that you know um in in my own case it's been a, a utility kilt rather than cargo shorts right but, you know same right amount right of now, pockets you're fine yeah well yeah and and so you know right now of course I, I am wearing cargo shorts as we speak yeah because again dad uniform and it's you know it was 91 degrees today
1: it did get hot it did get hot yeah, yeah. You know, um are quite warm yeah, I'll claim that I'm wearing cargo shorts, but you ain't seeing me. And from I, the... I'm not gonna
0: put. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not gonna press the issue because I'm only seeing you from the chest up. and exactly. I really don't need to know. Yeah, together. That's a question I don't need to ask. Right. So anyway, so Kaylee, anyway, so Kaylee, who who you the, know, the, we both the pretty ugly on. chick, basically.
1: That's the, the other the thing.
0: Hollywood, the Hollywood, ugly. Right. Chick. Right. Because she is that's, like that's,
1: that's the You have the character who is the the sexy one. Because you got two yeah. women on the show, therefore one of them is the sexy one. The other one is the the pretty one who's not sexy, wink, wink, but is just as hot. Like it's it's a yeah. that that in itself has got to yeah, be some ginger, sort of trope. ginger the
0: ginger the ginger Marianne conundrum. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like anybody with half a brain looks at Marianne and goes, uh, "No, I'm sorry, she's smoking hot." What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But of course, the idea was, no, no, ginger is the hot one. I am going to say mm-hmm. that I am—I think—one of the few guys of our generation who actually did think ginger was hotter.
1: Mm. See, I every, have a genetic predisposition million. against redheads, so because
0: yeah, because yeah. you are one, right? Yeah, combustion. Yeah, we've yeah. heard it before. Yep. But, Still true. Still true. Yeah, but but you know. I, you know, every, every other nerd of, of our generation who have you know, mm-hmm. nerd of our generation who's interested in women who I've mm-hmm. spoken to has said, no, no man, Marianne was way hotter. And I'm like, I don't get where you're all coming from. Like that's a valid opinion to hold, but no, man.
1: Oh yeah. She's a brunette. That's, that's not for me. For me. Yeah.
0: I don't, anyway, so but the other the other trope that's important to, to note with Kaylee the mm-hmm. sub trope, or you know, her primary trope is genius engineer. But underneath that, uh, her actual personality is all taken from the plucky frontier girl. Yeah. You know.
1: She just figures out she, how the axle works. You know.
0: Yeah, and she's yeah. and she's she's one of the one of the daughters in Little House on the Prairie mm-hmm. in space.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: There is very much a paternal vibe that they all have toward protecting her, which I, what I love though, is that I, isn't there a, um, isn't there a, an episode where they kind of go back and, and explain how he met all the characters and Mm -hmm. yeah. And what I loved about that episode is that she absolutely owns her own sex. Um, and she's like, no, I, I wanted to fuck on these engines. I think I, it's been a while. Um, but like, and she's like, yeah, so what? Big deal. And it's just like, wow, that was, I I really liked that.
0: uh, Well, now have, have you seen the the movie? Have you seen surrounded? Yes. Okay. So, so she, she is the one in the movie to say, I'm sorry, I don't know about you, but I, I need to get laid. I mean, that's That's not the way it's phrased, but she she straight up says, I'm sorry, Captain tight pants, but I need to get laid. Yes. And 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 I will say before before I get to the point where I'm I'm, you know, pointing out problematic aspects of all of this, I will say there is something really great about the fact that this character who is the one everybody has this paternal maternal in the case of Zoe. Everybody looks at her as their little sister. Right. You know, everybody everybody has this older sibling vibe toward Gailey. She is introduced or, or her introduction to the other characters was them walking in on her, mm-hmm. going at it with their prior engineer, and then talking to her for a minute and realizing she was way smarter than he was, firing him, hiring her.
1: She literally fucked him out of his job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Yes. Which is absolutely brilliant. Yes. So, uh, and then moving on to... The the third and uh, third female character on the crew is Inara, mm-hmm. who is taken straight out of a western. She's the hooker with the heart of gold, right? And you know there really isn't very much more for me to say about that because that that trope attached to her character and her role in the series is really not very much more complicated than that.
1: She ends um, up being uh, not only the heart of gold, but also a lot smarter and more able to manipulate than Mal. Like, she's always two steps ahead of him even um, oh, yeah. on well, things. Yeah. But, yeah, it's still pretty tropey.
0: Well, and, and I think even even that her being smarter than him, I think, can be traced back to that particular kind of trope. Because when you – when you know, if you look at those characters in Western genre – Although I don't know if you look too far back, they're not allowed to be smarter than the male character on the show because we're talking about the 50s and 60s. But right. you know, I, I think I think there, there you know is an element of well, you know, they're involved in kind of the seedier side of things, so they're going to have um, so they're going they're going to have more uh, uh, understanding of kind of how that stuff works. Sure, sure. So you know, and then um, and then we have Shepherd Book who is a preacher
1: i'm sorry let me go back a step okay Okay, so mal is the uh bard leader of the gang leader of the gang oh yeah okay um uh shit i'm I'm blanking on her name zoe 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 is uh the fighter the enforcer Mm -hmm. um who else have we mentioned
0: kaylee
1: kaylee she is the artificer or she's the wizard Mm-hmm. On some levels. Um, yeah. I would say that Inara is the rogue, just in a very different...
0: I'm going to argue Inara is, in some ways, the cleric. Oh,
1: okay. Fair. Because I was going to um, say that the uh, priest she's... was the cleric, but I think you're right.
0: Yeah, and and Shepherd, coming around to Shepard Book... Yeah. Um, Shepard Book is hard to pin down he might be kind of the monk he's mm-hmm. the he's the high he's the high wisdom he's the really high wisdom
2: mm-hmm.
0: with kind of a weird i mean if we're if we're using dnd tropes he's the yeah. he's the cloistered high wisdom character uh who and and what i'm going to come to now from the from the western angle of mm-hmm. this trope he's, he's he's the preacher with a mysterious past yeah you know one of my absolute favorite character moments from like the whole series mm-hmm. is um, the episode, the message where uh, they run into, they, they wind up finding that one of, one of Mal and Zoe's war buddies has gotten involved in an organ smuggling ring. And he's got, he's, he's carrying the organs in his body and he faked his death. And it's just this, this weird, yeah. you know, big science fiction elements to it. Kind of, kind of plot. But, uh, you know, Shepherd Book winds up, you know, basically saying, "Okay, no, look, I know that guy's out of his jurisdiction. Who's chasing him? And I know this, that, and the other." And like, basically, almost like completely, it's almost like he blows his cover somehow. And Mal winds up saying, "Someday you have to tell us how a preacher knows so much, so much about crime." Right. And Shepherd Book just looks right at him and says, "No, I don't." <laughs> Yeah, and that's and that's and that's the whole exchange, and it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and right now I'm kicking myself that I didn't write the actor's name into my notes for for who it was who played Shepherd Book. Uh, he's no longer with us, and it's a terrible loss. Uh, he was on Barney Miller. Is Ron Glass? Ron Glass, thank yeah. you. Who who I don't think enough people know what a remarkable performer he was
1: yeah he really really was just played that restraint and that menace at the same time
0: (laughs) at the the same time yeah and and of course you know anybody who's in the fandom will will never be able to forget there's a special hell reserved for pedophiles and people who talk in the theater (laughs) and then a moment later sticking his head back through the doorway special hell yeah just disappear yeah and just yeah
1: okay so So. he's the preacher with the dark past yeah I would definitely say that that is uh well given he's a preacher I'd say he's a warlock but uh (laughs) interesting Uh, I kind of
0: like that that's not a direction I would have gone but I can take that well I
1: kind of think well I you know you and I have different cosmologies there but like he's got the sponsorship of a deity if he's a preacher so (laughs) it's a real easy line for me to draw
0: (laughs) That's a good point. And he's not and he's not a holy warrior. So it no. really doesn't fit in with a cleric. No, right. right. I can see that.
1: Yeah. So okay, so he's the preacher with the dark past. Yeah. A man seeking his Which, own redemption and, and ultimately may find it by continuing down his dark path or may not. May die before yeah. he gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, here's what I would like to do. I'm going to uh, ask us okay. to take a short break uh, because okay. uh, we have a plug to give tonight. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be a slightly different kind. It's it's not going to be a retort a recorded commercial, so it might uh, completely blow up in our faces. Um, but uh, do you like comic books?
0: I think anybody who has listened to any episodes of this show would Mm -hmm. know that yes is the only answer I can honestly give. Yeah.
1: Well, at 1120 Fulton Avenue in Sacramento, California, zip code 95825, there's a comic book shop called Empire's Comics Vault.
0: Uh, I am a fan.
1: Oh, me too. And the guy who runs it is a man named Ben Schwartz, who is phenomenal, just one of the friendliest guys. First off, they have two pugs just running around that store all the time. So. Secondly, well, and we know
0: that you're going to be a fan just because yep. of that right there. Oh God, yeah. Because Skura, like, yes. Come on.
1: Yeah, I didn't choose the pug life. The pug life chose me. Uh, but uh, also, he he traded in all of uh, our Halloween candy for comic books this year. So if you Seriously? find, yeah. So if you find that uh, your little one next year has too much candy, you might want to swing on down there. <laughs>
0: Well, I know where I'm going. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm also a customer mm-hmm. and and a fan of mm-hmm. the management of of Empire. Yeah. Uh, they're a great. They're a great establishment. It's a very chill kind of atmosphere. It is. It um, is. Every time I've been in there, they've had the TV go into some you know geek friendly movie, whether mm-hmm. it's you know Marvel Universe or The Incredibles or you know or something JLA related. JLA
1: from the old seventies. Yeah. It's there. there you go. Yeah. I've I've done no, comedy there. Like, he hosts really? comedy. Yeah. On on Friday nights, there's another guy who runs a comedy uh, show there every, like, monthly in the summers. Um, I'm not sure if it's still going, but, like, such a fun and, and giving audience. Like, I've, I've been able to do some really fun uh, nerd-out comedy there. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: But currently, they're closed to the public. Uh, because That's a damn shame. It is. Uh, but he still goes in every day because he's still mailing out comics to people.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh, so yeah. if you so if you have a saver or you have subscription mm-hmm. or something going on with them, he is still sending comics out comics yeah. out to people. Yeah. So if somebody so if somebody were to find the Empire Comics website, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. or email him or somehow contact the ownership, they could help yeah. support this this business in this time of need. Absolutely. By signing up for a saver or telling them, hey, I want to I want to get you know these following issues or something I'm oh, really yeah. interested in. You know. Yeah. Sign me up
1: you not only do you need to set up a saver, but you or could you set up a saver? He can also give you recommendations Um, so he's read a lot of what he's got so he can find you just the right book He can give you gift certificates, which you can then fulfill Uh by calling him and i'll give you guys the phone number at the end Um, he's also restocking back issues. So if you are looking for gaps to fill in your collections Um, he can help you with that Kids books are also always twenty percent off. Um, oh, very! Cool. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, that, so
0: that I did not know. That's yes,
1: often. yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. The guy is is a treasure, um, a, a treasure. Again, he's sounds at eleven twenty. Like, like
0: a genuine mensch.
1: He is. He's at eleven twenty Fulton Avenue, Sacramento, California, zip code nine five eight two five. The phone number is 916-482-8779. And once again, that's 916-482-8779. Throw some business his way because uh, it's, it's a very much a walk-in business. And he's finding ways to get people their comic book needs even during this time of, of once-in-a-four-lifetime uh, occurrence. Of,
0: iso- of, of isolation yeah. and, and everything else. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. So anyway. Please.
1: Back to our show.
0: Yes. By all means. So uh, we've gone through uh, gone through Mal, Zoe, Kaylee, Inara, and Shepard Book. Next is Wash. Mm-hmm. And we kinda already talked about Wash when we were talking about D D archetypes. Wash yep. is kind of that first level character who's like, no, I put all my skill points into Py Leg.
1: Yeah.
0: There's there's like I have I have one feat which is awkwardly seduce female fighters. <laughs> and like that's the only thing I can do other than fly this ship like nobody else in the in the verse can do. Right. Um, he is he is he's an archetype bard from SF. He is the ace pilot.
1: Mm-hmm. He absolutely is.
0: Um, he's also kind of the team smart ass. Um, and of course, Alan Tudyk mm-hmm. has now. Become this name that like everybody knows because he's done he's done voice work in so many movies. Oh yeah, since since Uh, you know, including including a Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And and for God's sakes, they need to cast him in the Mandalorian. Like, please, please, please give him a part in the Mandalorian. Like, I'm begging you. If anybody on our listeners list is is even tangentially related to anybody making these decisions. Like, literally, I am begging you, mm-hmm. cast him in something in The Mandalorian. Yeah. For the love of the Force, please. So, you know, he's he's gone on to become one of the members of the cast who's, who's become broadly famous. I think he, he and uh, uh, Nathan Fillion are probably the two actors who were unknown at the time of their part in the series, who've mm-hmm. gone on to become broadly known. Um, you know, I think, I think the other, I think the other members of the cast, like people kind of look at him and go, where do I know you from? Right. But like people will, people will look at Nathan Fillion and they'll look at Alan Tudyk and go, no, 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 I know you.
1: It's funny because when I, when I first saw Nathan Fillion, I was like, oh, it's the guy they thought was Private Ryan. (laughs) And when I saw, yeah, yeah, when I saw Alan Tudyk, I was like, oh cool, it's Wart. Yeah, from uh, from what do you call it? I'm getting a cheers. Was,
0: yeah, you, he's he's getting a raised glass because yep. anybody who who points out uh, a knight's tale, yes, uh, deserves that. A knight's tale should have been the first Dungeons and Dragons movie oh, because that's yeah. really what it was. Yeah, but, true. But yes, sir. There true. you go. So Batudek has gone on to be, you mm. know, uh, Duke of Wesselton and Duke Weaselton. Yes. Yes. Who who, who references the Duke of Wesselton. Yeah. Um and and I don't remember the droid's name. Uh K2SO. And K2SO, thank you. Sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's, there's just so much other stuff he's gone on to do. So, um and that's and that's but but his character in in this series is basically he's the comic relief for the team. He's mm-hmm. the guy who makes a joke to to break the tension. Yes. And then and then he's the ace pilot. Mm-hmm. And then we have Jane, played by a Baldwin who is not actually a Baldwin. Right. <laughs> and and he is he is another Western trope. He is the hardened criminal, the the sociopathic member of the gang that like the leader has to keep under control. Right. And he's the hardened criminal and the gunfighter. Mm-hmm. He's and the heavy. Weapon. Again, he's the barbarian of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, in indeed he tropes, he's totally the barbarian. Yeah. And then we have Simon, Simon Tam, mm-hmm. who is the city slicker. Yep. Again, a hundred percent complete Western trope. He shows up. He's got all the nice fancy clothes. He's got all the money. He's got all the understanding of urban society and all that stuff. Civilization. And civilization. And he is very clearly – imagine that all the words I'm saying now for the next several all start with capital letters. He is not a frontier type. Yes. Yes. He is a tenderfoot. He is like like any time any reality of life on the frontier comes up, he's the one who's taken aback. And for a modern audience, in a lot of ways, sometimes he winds up becoming kind of the point of view character.
1: I was going to say he's the everyman. He's the Winston Zedmore of the group.
0: Well, on, on some levels, he's the Winston Zedmore. And then he turns around and he becomes the wizard on a couple of occasions because mm-hmm. he's also the doctor.
1: See, and this is why I thought he would be the cleric.
0: Good point. Mm-hmm. Party can have more than one cleric.
1: Yeah, I still see uh Inara as being the rogue though. Like if you're going archetypically, she's the one yeah. she's not the sneak thief rogue. She is the uh the the, the the face. The face rogue, you know. Um he's he's the face and that's part of the tension between them. You know, Mal is the face yeah. bard, um, she's the face rogue. You yeah. know, she's the charming yeah. rogue. The one that the person who really likes to role play their characters does
0: that. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Yeah. All right. And then finally, okay. the last, the last character of the main, of the main cast that we have is River. Mm-hmm. And River is not taken from a Western trope. She is another science fiction refugee. She's the weird psychic girl. Yes.
1: Isn't she the sister of the Doctor?
0: Yes. Okay. The yeah. younger sister.
1: Yes. She's the MacGuffin.
0: Uh, yeah, Yeah. in, in a very, in a very great many ways, she is the MacGuffin in a D and D party. She is the one who the DM looked at her backstory and went, I have the plot for the whole campaign figured out around you. Yeah. Having been that player, Mm -hmm. that's a blessing and a curse. Yes. Just going to say, um, so now of the main cast, if we go back through that, that's two-thirds of the characters are built out of Western tropes.
1: Mm-hmm. By the way, she if we're and d her, she's absolutely the yeah. sorcerer.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 Like all kind of weird abilities that like we don't know how she learned how to do it. She doesn't even know how she learned how right. to do it. Exactly. She didn't really learn how to do it. All of a sudden, she just does Did it. Did it.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So two-thirds <laughs> of them are Western tropes. Um, yeah. and, uh, three out of the, how many are there? Nine? Nine. Okay. Uh, fully three out of the nine. Okay. Fully, uh, three out of the nine, uh, fully a third of the cast is women. Yes. Yeah. Which of course makes people, uh, confused because they're like, wait, they already have a woman. Wait, they already yeah, have two why women. Do, why do
0: they need, why do they, why do they need three? Right. And, and again, mm-hmm. again, some credit where some credit is due yes um, I think it is it is important and I think it is laudable that the stone cold badass out of the group because Jane was was terrifying but he was also played for comedy because he wasn't very bright right. Zoe was the one like if you knew anything about getting into a fight with anybody Zoe was the one you were gonna be like no no we need to take her out first
1: right. Yeah, she's she is not the tank. She is the one who will do all the damage
0: though. Yeah, she's yeah. she's the dead eye. Mm-hmm. She she literally is the sniper. She's mm-hmm. the one like, no no, we're gonna you're gonna be up on the bluff over there, and if, if things go south, you're gonna kill this one first, then that one, then that one. Right. And by the and by the time you've dropped the third one, I'll have gotten my gun out of its holster and I can take care of, mm-hmm. you know, business yeah. from there.
1: Yeah. No. And and anybody Yeah. I was just gonna say you're you're right, because like if if you normally were gonna trope this up, that role would go to a fella. Like it would. Mm-hmm. And so good on him for, for putting that on a woman and for including a third because like in many ways it's um it, it feels like so I, I had a comedy uh buddy who she she always had always had this line. She says she'd get on stage and she'd say, I know what you're thinking. We already saw the woman tonight
0: wow
1: yeah and she's like i'm the other woman i and then she would you know kind of lightly roast the audience for what that meant that they would have to deal with um it mm. also reminds me of a time where uh star wars showed me that i had internalized some racism that i didn't know about um because i was watching rogue one and i saw the trailer i was like oh cool they got an asian character it's about time and then they showed another one and i was like wait they already had it oh that's why <laughs> and it was that short a line for me, <laughs> mm-hmm. thankfully. Yeah. But uh, but at the same time, that line was still had to be drawn for me. So in many ways, you have the hot chick. You have, oh my God, you got four women in this thing. You got the hot chick. Uh, you got the pretty ugly chick. Then you got two other women who aren't defined by their looks by the male gazing audience. Um, and then you go just one layer down and you realize you have somebody who is... A, the roguish character who can get them into the CD underworld. You've got one mm-hmm. who is the engineer. Without them, the ship won't work. You've got mm-hmm. the woman who's a badass fighter, which is just, a, plays against trope. Um, and then you've got the woman who is the MacGuffin, which kind of plays into trope, but she's the weird psionic girl. So, you know, and so you, you have, like, the bandwidth for the male-gazing uh, audience member yeah. Is kind of taken up oh, yeah. and a little bit uh, frustrated. Or not frustrated. That's not the word I'm looking for. But, um, sort of. Well, with C,
0: is, yeah. is, 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 yeah, is, is somehow uh, uh, altered. Yes. So, you know, and, and, and something I want to point out also mm-hmm. is that Zoe in particular is not only a woman playing mm-hmm. that role, but she's a woman of color playing that role. Good point. And, um, you know, Inara Also is, a woman of color. Coated yeah.
1: white, but uh, she
0: coded, is. Coated white, but yeah. not like Northern European white. Right. She's Latino. You know, and, yeah, and, and so, you know, there's, there's a there's a, there's a meaningful level of, of inclusion involved there in a way that I think is important that the, no, 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 the scary one isn't the big white dude. The scary one is the black woman.
1: That's a good point. Who,
0: who, who is standing there not being the stereotypical, you know, the the stereotype of, of the, you know, angry black woman, but who is just standing there with, with her hand on her hip and, you know, that means it's very close to the gun she has right and like, she's no, she's but, not
1: the wharf either where like we're going to show how bad this bad guy is by beating her up
0: No, no the white guy is the wharf the, the one who gets beat up to show how badass somebody is is jane Mostly because jane is dumb enough to be the first one to run forward at any threat Yeah, because because again, he's the barbarian Yeah yeah, I, I hadn't even thought to try to code them onto D and D archetypes, but you're totally right. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue. <laughs> I, I ain't even mad. I can't argue about any of that. So, so, so not only do we have two thirds of the of the of the main characters being coded as Western archetypes, mm-hmm. but the storylines were all built out of the the DNA of Western storyline narrative tropes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: they they centered around the crew trying to make a buck somehow. Right. And making a buck basically meant some level of illegal activity. Mm-hmm. Like on the best, on the best, closest to legitimate businessman day, Malcolm Reynolds is a smuggler. True. Like, like, look at the number of episodes in which, in which it's, uh, well, you know, we we know we have a market for this thing. We're going to steal this thing, and then we're going to take it out to the fringe, and we're going to sell it.
1: Yep. Yep. That's true.
0: Like, like. You know, and and on the couple of times where it's no, no, I'm a businessman. It's a, I'm a businessman who's doing who's doing business with, quote unquote, legitimate businessmen mm-hmm. on fringe worlds by smuggling, right, something, from one planet to another to avoid excise taxes.
1: Sure. Yeah. He's he's the like, businessman is a front for what he is doing.
0: Yeah. Always. Yeah. You know, it, any anybody who played the Traveler role playing game is intimately familiar with this archetype out of science fiction Mm -hmm. because if you, if you played a quote unquote free trader campaign, you know that, you know, eventually that turned into smuggling Mm -hmm. like inevitably, Mm -hmm. like inevitably because just being a trucker is boring. (laughs) Yeah. There's no drama to being a a trucker on a, on a narrative level. There's no drama to being a trucker. So, you know, of course you're going to wind up falling in with bad people and you're going to wind up smuggling. Oh
2: yeah.
0: You know, and, and, but, but what's interesting is taking a look back at the 14 episodes, when the storyline had to do with them making a buck,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, was, it was outright thievery more often than it was smuggling. And if it was outright thievery, it was always 100% thievery against the Alliance. Either directly against the alliance government, in the case of the train job,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or against essentially the alliance infrastructure. In I don't remember the title right now, but the the hospital
1: mm-hmm. robbery. Oh hospital yeah heist. yeah yeah. Okay okay.
0: Um, you know the, the train job and, and and the train job actually has two different heists involved in it. It, it opens with the salvage slash scavenging of material from an Alliance warship Hulk, a destroyed warship. Remember, they show up and, you know, let go of let go of the yes. drone. You know, cry, baby cry, make your mama sigh, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and then it turns into a train robbery or a train heist because mm-hmm. it's not actually an armed robbery uh, involving Alliance supplies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't want to, you know, spoil anything for anybody who somehow hasn't seen it, so I'm not going to say more details about it. It's
1: been it. 17 years. It's okay.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, especially if it's germane uh, to your argument. Yeah. Okay. Well, less so in this case. Okay. But but they they wind up they wind up robbing a train full of alliance soldiers that are guarding a shipment of, of alliance. Essentially, to, they find out it's medicine. They don't know at the beginning of the episode that that's what they're stealing. Right. It's medical supply. And so, if they're going to outright steal, they always do it from the alliance. mm mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I'm I'm sensing a theme here.
0: Okay, yep. we're coming up on it. Mm-hmm. So who is the Alliance, I hear you asking. I. it's a good know, question. It is a good question. That's a good, it's a meaningful question. See, the Alliance is the overarching authority of the solar system in which the series takes place. And see, Mal and Zoe are both veterans of the military force that fought against the Alliance in the unification war, in which the Alliance sought to take control of the independent planets. And moons not previously under its control. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's okay. getting uncomfortable.
0: Well, I, I got more. It's going to okay. get more uncomfortable. The Alliance is the overarching big bad of the series. They ex- they're the ones who experimented on River.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and and they are the ones who send a truly unnerving pair of hunters uh, coming after after the crew of Serenity. To try to get River.
1: Now is that in to, Serenity, to, the movie? To... Or is that in the TV show? No, series? no, no,
0: that's that's in the TV series. So remember okay. two by two hands of blue? Mm-hmm. With the with the, the hypersonic, ultrasonic thing that makes people bleed out of their ears. Yes. And, yes. and they're and they're oddly kind of robotic and we don't really know what's what's going on with them. Right. Those those hunters are are explicitly sent by the Alliance, and mm-hmm. we know explicitly that the Alliance experimented on River. We find that out. Mm-hmm. In that same hospital heist episode, a couple of episodes, we find out, you know, cause, cause Simon says, Hey, I have a target, but in order for me to walk you through getting through that target, because I'm a city slicker, uh, you know, I can guide and a doctor, I can guide you through where you need to go in the hospital to get this stuff done. Right. Um, you know, he winds up saying the price is you need to get me into the scanning room so I can look at my sister's brain and figure out what's wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he figures out in that episode that she's been experimented on. Right. And surgically altered. hmm. And, uh, the Alliance gets decried repeatedly by Mal. Yep. Uh, and to a lesser extent by Zoe, but almost always by Mal, mm-hmm. as being oppressive, and they're a bunch of invading bullies. Uh, the Tams were both born in the Alliance on a core world where life like, looks like something out of a cyberpunk story.
1: So wait, wait, uh, wait. We're starting to see Urban versus Frontier as well. Yes. Okay.
0: And we see that life on a core world in many ways, looks like something out of a cyberpunk story,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which includes massive megacorporations and intimations of really heavy-handed surveillance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Simon, Simon starts talking about, we haven't heard anything from River in a long time. I'm, right. I'm worried about her. I'm worried about her. And, you know, his parents both say, you need to stop talking about this. This is dangerous. You need to be quiet about this. You know? Right. And so intimations of, of the alliance government being, you know, um, dictatorial or mm-hmm. heavy-handed. But then in the movie, we find out that uh, there is a legislature and there mm-hmm. is, there is, you know, something something like a recognizable form of representative democratic government. Right. Which is part of the reason that the, the agent gets sent after them is because, River somehow has secrets in her head because she got exposed to the, the legislature. She was shown off to the legislature by the scientists. She may have read their minds or something. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, there's this like, well, okay, wait, is it like they're ruled by a mega corporation or is it like they're they're a representative democracy with, with elements within it that are that are bad? Like right. what do we know. Right. And so we're I know we're coming up on an hour. At this point. We are. So I think we'll 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 pause here to okay. pick up again. What's the first thing you're taking away from this?
1: Well, I, I haven't mentioned it yet because there's a quote that he says and then there's also a reference to clothing that they mention. Um, do you want me to hold those until next yeah. time? Okay. I I'd me. say so. All right. Then I would and there's also the blending of English and Chinese throughout the whole thing. Were you gonna to touch on that at all?
0: Um, I not in not in my notes actually, okay. but go ahead. Bring so so now I'd say if that's a point you want to make, go ahead and go ahead yeah. and do that.
1: Yeah. So uh you essentially have two empires uh that annexed large chunks of their own frontier. Uh, not always with the willing uh, consent of those frontiers, and who had uh, a, a history of expanding westward from the eastern cities of both places, um, both in China and in uh, the United States. And I just find it interesting that we're coming upon that again uh, in, in... Well, that he's blended those two cultures specifically. And if you look at the flag... It's a mix of the Chinese and the American flags.
2: Yeah, both of well, which are his, flags of conquest.
0: <laughs> and, and we're, we're going to get into the second part of that a little bit as part of the overarching cool. thesis. But But I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I think it's interesting to note that all of the historical context of that that you talked about about expansion from the east westward Mm -hmm. i don't think except in the context of of the american frontier with Mm -hmm. all of those words starting with with capital letters sure i don't think that's that's anything that whedon thought of consciously except that he was writing a western story and the fact that the Chinese were the other empire involved. I don't think ever Okay. I, I don't think consciously he ever considered that that was also the pattern in the case of that civilization.
1: Okay. So it might have just and been I, I, baked in maybe?
0: Yeah, I think I think I think very much so. And and I'm gonna get into a little bit of of that. Mm-hmm. In, in regard to the American portion of it in, in, in the next installment. Okay.
1: The only other thing I would point out is in his previous two properties um, that he worked on, one being Buffy, the other one being Angel, uh, both of those were suburban or urban stories, and this is decidedly not.
0: Oh, dramatically not. Yeah. And so it's so a huge departure
1: in now. a lot of ways from what he did. And I would say that, uh, you know, they always say work what you know you know, do what you know. Um, and it's not like he, uh, mm, he grew up in New York, if I recall correctly. Uh, and, and he has, uh, quite the lineage of writing in his family. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that. Um, but, uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting to me that he, uh, he, he's taking a departure and this is the one that is commercially a bit of a failure, but in terms of, um, Critical stuff, it's probably his most best known thing.
0: Yeah, I think so. Because um, he bounced think,
1: back into like urban and suburban after this too. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. I think I think he got if 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 and I'm forgetting the title of, of the series I have in mind, but if mm-hmm. if you're thinking of the same thing I'm thinking of, um I, I wouldn't yeah, no, it's it's definitely very urban. Uh, so, are we yeah. talking Angel uh, or are I, we
1: talking Dollhouse? Dollhouse. Dollhouse, yeah, because Angel Angel city. was
0: pre I don't want to say Angel was pre Firefly. Um, yeah, it was. And Dollhouse, cause... Dollhouse, yeah, Dollhouse, <sighs> Dollhouse deserves an episode on its own. <laughs> cool. Because <laughs> um, there's there's so much to dig into on that, but. Um, he, he got very 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 heavily cyberpunk with dollhouse wow. I gotcha. think and I think the extent to which the the subgenre shifts
2: mm-hmm.
0: talking about urban versus rural is almost pointless because it's totally a cyberpunk story and you you almost can't gotcha. have have a frontier story be cyberpunk and I know I know saying that, I I intentionally said almost can't because I know somebody's going to have an an edge case somewhere, Mm -hmm. but, but the genre relies so heavily on so many things that have to do with urban life,
1: right? That you, you lose, even if you have people with, uh, or not animal parts, uh, machine parts on them. If you're in a Western, you're in a Western like you just are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: the genre the genre is the genre and it's just really hard to get out of the of the straight jacket of, of kind of what's involved there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh you know, I think I think my my takeaway to to move us toward, you know, kind of closing down and moving on to the next installment mm-hmm. is um all of this um, – again, I, I kind of want to stress – I kind of want to defend myself because because where we're going to go <laughs> in the next installment is going to make me very unpopular with a subset of people. I want to say – here's the thing. This was a brilliant piece of television mm-hmm. and I'm not w- – what I'm going to say coming up is not to try to say – that we shouldn't watch it, or we shouldn't love it, or we shouldn't want to see more from these characters. But I just feel like we need to keep in mind uh, some things that are meta-textual that that are really, really important. And I think it's only through really having done this podcast that mm-hmm. I really actually looked at this series and went, "Oh, hey, wait, wait, that's actually kind of an issue." You
1: know. <laughs> yeah. now I I remember uh, like I took a film class and I I studied Buster Keaton for a while. Brilliant. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, how come he always took the side of the South? You know, it's one of those kinds of things. <laughs> like, oh, hey, how come the good guys are always your Confederates? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. And so, like, I get it. I totally get it. Like, um, it can be a brilliant piece of art, and also, its antecedents. Have- are a problem. Yeah.
0: yeah, have have these kinds of issues that I'm that I'm going to be talking about here in our next uh, installment.
1: Well, I look forward to it.
0: So, so there we go. Cool. That's pretty much what I got.
1: All right. Uh, where can people find you so they can send their hate mail to you on the Twitter and uh, <laughs> the uh, the
0: social media? Oh man! So the hate mail needs to be sent to at eh Blaylock on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Mr. Blaylock on uh, the Instagram. Mm-hmm. How about you?
1: Well, uh, no hate mail needed because uh, I, I, you know, came out standing hard for Just Whedon. So I guess uh, for me, actually, there will be hate mail because uh, maybe I stood for someone who who shouldn't be stood for. Um, but that's at duh harmony. There's two H's in that on the Twitter and on the Insta. Uh, so yeah. Um I just I do want to of
0: course if you want to scream at both of us, you can oh, do yes. so at uh at Geek History Time yes. on Twitter.
1: Yes. I do want to uh just plug a couple of different things. Uh one is uh Capital Punishment has its own live streaming show every Friday night at 830. Uh it's on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Uh, As well as another TV or another streaming show that I'm on uh, called Calling It in the Ring with uh, Damian and Johnny. Uh, And it's that I'm on there with uh, another comedian and we watch old wrestling and we talk about it as we're watching. It's a watch along on twitch.tv forward slash calling it in the ring. Uh so there's both of those. But for this show very cool. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh for this show though, uh I strongly recommend y'all uh hit us up on the Twitter. Uh like you said, at Geek History Time Um and at EH Blaylock and at the Harmony. So all right, well very cool. Yeah. For uh Ed Blaylock, I'm Damien Harmony.
0: And I'm Ed Blaylock, and until next time, uh Keep rolling those 20s.